Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Trojan Venture Podcast. It's a beautiful day, Tuesday morning, Los Angeles. Vivek, how are we doing? Doing pretty amazing. How about you? It's pretty early, but getting a good start to the day. I can have a very interesting podcast guest on, so looking forward to it. Yeah, let's get him on. So before we bring on our guest, we are going to just do a little introduction for him. Today's guest is Asher Weiss. Asher Weiss um, is the CEO and co-founder of Tixology. Tixology is a blockchain-based ticketing software that puts event producers, teams, and venues in control of their ticketing. Prior to co-founding Tixology, Asher was an innovation specialist at the Orlando Magic, as well as a product manager running digital apps for the Golden State Warriors. Tixology is a Los Angeles-based company. They've currently raised one preliminary venture round, and we're super excited to have Asher on the show today to talk all about Tixology, his personal story, and anything else he wants to talk about. So let's get him on. Asher, how are we doing? Doing well, Eric. How are you? Good. Thank you for coming on the show today. Yeah, psyched to be here. Uh, I've, I've always had a, a bit of a connection to USC, going to going to school in the LA area, and a uh, good friend of mine uh, went there, and so I've you know been to some been to some football games, been to a couple parties on campus. So uh, it's great to great to reconnect with the with the USC community. Well, it was a great football season, so we're we're glad <laughs> you were a, you were a prior fan, and we're excited to have you on. So Vivek, you want to ask the first question? Yeah, for sure. Let's get right into it. So you come from a sports background, right? With previous experience with both the Golden State Warriors and the Orlando Magic. So when did you first become interested in like the business side of sports? Yes, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. I mean, I've, I've been a sports fan my whole life. Uh, growing up in Toronto, you know, hockey's obviously king, but uh, basketball was also starting to get popular, um, you know, as I, as I was growing up. And so, uh, you know, I'd always been kind of a big fan and would go to games all the time and, and followed pretty closely. I, I don't think it ever really occurred to me, though, that I'd be, be working in the industry necessarily. Um, and, uh, you know, when I was, when I was going through uh, college, I, I, you know, kind of started to learn a bit more about some of those types of opportunities in the back office and uh, an opportunity came up with the Orlando Magic. So, uh, you know, an opportunity to work in the innovation lab there, which is like kind of the first innovation lab in professional sports and um, sounded like a really cool opportunity. And so, you know, kind of took a less traditional path and moved down to Orlando to to give it a shot. Like, it's it's cool that you like kind of had this already based interest in sports and like you were able to put that into like your own career. I think that's really dope. So, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, definitely, definitely a fun ride at both the magic and the warriors. I, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those jobs that, you know, is, is uh, super, super fun and exciting and you're getting tickets and you're getting, you know, crazy access and all this cool stuff on the other side, it's a total grind. And that's the stuff, you know, I think less people talk about, which is, you know, working crazy hours, working the games, um, you know, kind of doing whatever it takes to, to make it happen, especially during the season. So uh, it's, it was, it was fun for sure. So from both of these experiences, what lessons did you take um, in terms of sports business in general that you maybe didn't know before you got into the roles? 
Yeah, I think like one of the really interesting things, like people ask me a lot about like kind of breaking into that world because I think it's, you know, a really popular space to to work in, you know, kind of at the team level, at the league level. Um, it definitely is not like it's definitely a difficult uh industry to break into and and to, you know, get that initial role. I think one of the things I realized is I think that there's a conception kind of a general, you know, conception in the in the industry that um you kind of you have to have a bunch of sports experience to kind of break into the space. And uh, what I learned, especially during my time there, is that um, a lot of the teams uh, are really hiring based on, you know, skill set like any organization. So um, that's the advice I usually give people if they can't get a role right away out of school or, you know, immediately break into the sports industry. I always tell them, like, focus on developing, you know, kind of the hard skills itself, right? Whether that's analytics or marketing or product or, you know, whatever that may be. Um, and, and frankly, you know, the teams are really looking for people who can do those kind of roles well. Um, regardless if they've kind of worked in a sports experience there, sports sports world before. So I think like that was kind of a big takeaway. And then um, the other piece too is, is just that sports teams and, and uh, leagues in general are just becoming more and more tech savvy. So continuing to push the envelope, uh, bringing tech teams in house, right. I joined the Warriors as kind of their first full-time product lead there um, on the mobile app where they wanted to, to fully build a mobile app from the ground up, right. Move away from a templated app that they had before. Um, and you're just, seeing this across professional sports in general is, is a uh, desire for teams to get more technologically savvy, uh, bring more tech talent in-house, and continue to push the boundary of what's possible both at home, you know, in terms of the fan engagement and user experience, but also at the arena, right? All, all kinds of cool things happening there as well. Awesome. Yeah. So now moving past a little bit about um, moving past your experience with sports, did you always know that you were going to be an entrepreneur or did your previous experiences reveal a problem that you felt you had to solve? Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of both. Uh, I've I've been a kind of a lifelong entrepreneur. I, I started my first business when I was eight years old, actually, um, you know, had had this uh, idea, um, you know, to take essentially beach glass, sea glass and turn it into uh, all kinds of different things. And so it started as just kind of like a hobby project. And then, you know, we had some some family friends over and they they liked it and asked where they could buy it. And I told them I made it myself and it kind of turned into a business that way. And since then, you know, kind of growing up, I had multiple businesses. I had a food delivery service. I had an apparel business. Uh, most recently, I had a food business in college uh, called B-Tarts, where we brought a famous Canadian dessert called the Butter Tart to the U.S. Um, so entrepreneurship has kind of always been in my blood and, and something that I've always been really passionate about. Um, and, you know, kind of had that urge even coming out of college to go right into that world. Um, but kind of suppressed it a bit and said, you know what, how can I kind of develop my skill set a bit more um, and, and, you know, learn about a new industry, learn about, you know, new spaces um, and kind of, kind of go from there. Right. So, um, you know, took a, took a bit of a break, went to that, that sports route. And then, um, you know, like you said, kind of learned about a lot of pain points in the ticketing industry. It's one of, one of those industries with such a long list of pain points on both the event producer team side and the fan side. And, you know, frankly, not a lot of great solutions out there. It's been more accepted as just how it is, right? And so as I learned more about blockchain technology and the ticketing industry, I started to kind of connect them to say, you know what, there might be something here that could could really make a difference um, for both for both the teams and, and event producers and the fans. So as you said, there obviously are a lot of issues with ticketing. I think people that are not even in that world would know that. If you're just on ticket mm -hmm. itself, you would say the ticketing experience for the most part sucks. Yeah. 
Why do you think blockchain is the best way to disrupt an industry that's controlled by a few giant players? Yeah, I think, you know, in reality, I think there's there's a few pieces that blockchain can can really, really help with that, um, you know, other traditional traditional ticketing vendors haven't been able to to kind of figure out and, and stop. So, you know, like when we talk about some of the major issues today, I think um, there's, you know, kind of the, the biggest issue comes down to losing control of the ticket after that primary sale. Um, where does it actually go? Uh, who holds it? How much it's sold for in, in a secondary market? All types of things like that. Um, um, so there's this kind of rogue resale market. The event producers have zero control over that. They're not capturing every, any revenue from that. There's often massive data blind spots into who actually holds the ticket at any point in time. Um, there's fan experience implications. So, you know, targeting the wrong people or messaging the wrong people that may not even hold the ticket anymore. There's all kinds of things there. So when we talk about why blockchain for ticketing, it really comes down to the the verification, tracking, and control of an asset, and in this case, a ticket. So, how do we make it super easy um, to, to for event producers to capture more data, to capture more revenue, um, to secure their their buildings and and their tickets, and know who actually holds them, and finally to engage with their with their fan base and and you know engage with their fans on a much deeper level. So um, is there a difference between how technology deals with events in like the primary and secondary markets, like between uh, like retail and like resale? Yeah, so we actually we actually have like a cohesive ecosystem where we allow you to facilitate both primary and secondary sales directly through your site. So we're a white labeled platform. Um, so to give you an example of how that might work, uh, you know, if we used an NBA team as an example, right, the Warriors, you'd go to warriors.com instead of you know, being booted off to a Ticketmaster site to buy tickets, you'd stay within the Warriors ecosystem. Uh, you'd click buy tickets, you'd go through a flow that we're powering behind the scenes, um, and you'd buy your ticket that way using just a credit card. Like there's no, that's another big piece of what we've built is we're abstracting pretty much all the Web3 elements for both the fans and the event producers to make it more accessible. So um, you'd go through that experience. And then if you wanted to, to resell it, um, you could go again to warriors.com and list it for resale on a secondary marketplace right there. So we've created a way for, for our customers to kind of handle and control both primary and secondary uh, markets. And one of the things you said earlier, one of the advantages of blockchain is the amount of data you're able to collect through the ticket. So what are some type of metrics or data points um, are you supplying uh, to your customers through technologies, technology? Yeah. So I think like at the very like core of it, like at the very base level, um, it, it starts with having a really deep understanding of where the ticket is and how it moves and, and who actually holds it at any point in time. So we give super granular um, transparency to our event producers into who actually holds the ticket. And we have a fan database where you can click into specific users and see if they've bought a ticket, if they've attended the event, if they've transferred it, or if they've resold it. So we're providing way more granularity in terms of what actually happens to the ticket after that primary sale. Um, and, and it all begins with the tracking of the actual movement of the ticket. Now, from there, we start to capture additional information, whether that's, you know, um, uh, uh, the ticket preference that you have, your behavior at events, right? We're talking a lot about now how we can integrate food and beverage and parking and other parts of the event experience into the ticket, uh, even in, onto the ticket itself. 
Um, and, and from there, we think we can continue to help event producers capture even more in-depth data on people's event behavior, their ticket purchasing behavior, um, you know, the types of uh, additional purchases they're making at an event to start to provide one really kind of, you know, cohesive profiles on a specific fan, but also high level trends on what's actually happening. And then using that data to provide, you know, better partnership offers, targeted offers based on based on event behavior. So it starts with the actual ticket itself and who actually holds and owns that. Um, and then and then extends to, you know, other parts of the event experience, creating, creating, you know, more comprehensive data. Yeah, so you spoke a little bit about how you can attach promotions to the uh, ticket or NFT. Like, what are some examples of the exclusive content that is attached to the NFT? Yeah, so you know, it, it's it's really we 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 have so many kind of thoughts on where this can go and and what we're kind of working on, but it's anything from from kind of images, uh, videos. Uh, audio, all kinds of things like that, like in terms of just basic content to uh, clickable offers for partnership offers for merchandise for things like that, um, to live data feeds to in the sports world, potentially sports betting embedded directly on the ticket, all kinds of things like that are things that we're working through. Um, and we believe it will continue to evolve um, to a point where the ticket can really look like anything and, and can, you know, serve a much greater purpose than just you know, a, a method of entry into the venue. And one of the things that comes with that exclusive content is brand partnerships, which I would assume is very valuable given kind of the mobility of blockchain. What type of brand partnerships or specific brand partnerships that Texology has had that's that you've been most successful with? Yeah, so so the way we think about it is we want to provide the tools for our event producers and venues, you know, our customers to succeed with what we're what they're doing. So we don't usually directly interact with a brand partner specifically. We provide the tools to help make that partnership between the brand and the property, whether that's a venue or team, more successful. So that might look like, like I said, uh, additional data on who the actual fans are and their behavior, um, but also could, you know, be a part of the actual event, like ticket buying experience, right, in incorporating partners there and customizing that, um, or through the actual ticket itself. So providing additional ways um, for the for the event producers and venues and teams um, to provide more value to, to potential partners that they may work with or be wanting to work with so now like moving on to more of a business like topic what do you look for in hiring at Tixology? yeah i think you know for me like uh you know there's there's some some things that like we're very kind of um uh we're very kind of like focused on at this point and especially given like how um how how you know things have been in this world over the past few years i mean uh, first off, like we're we're a remote first culture, and the reason I bring that up is because um, you know we're big believers that we're going to hire the best talent regardless of where they're located. Um, so what that looks like for us is we have people in Toronto, like myself. We have you know a few folks in California. Uh, we have an engineering lead in Uruguay. Um, so we're kind of we're kind of uh, distributed across both North America and beyond, um, and we're big believers that you know we want we want the smartest people regardless of where they're located, and we think that, you know, folks who are forcing kind of a full in-person model are missing out on a lot of good talent or scaring people away. So I would say first off, you know, just, just, you know, being open to, to, 
you know, employees and, and hiring regardless of where they're actually physically based. Um, but I think more so than that, I think we're looking for people that are hungry um, and that are, you know, really bought into our vision that, you know, aren't coming at this looking like it's a big opportunity to make a quick buck or, you know, increase their salary as, as you guys are well aware, um, you know, early stage startups are not the place for that. Um, so we're looking for people who are big believers in what we're doing and, and can see that this is the future of ticketing and this is where things are headed and they want to be a part of it. So people that are buying into that vision, um, that, you know, aren't afraid to, to, you know, work on the weekend or work at night if they need to, um, you know, we're big believers in, you know, get your job done, whether that's, you know, whether that's kind of the traditional nine to five that most people work or, you know, you want to flex your hours a bit to, you know, have some time with your family or, or friends or whatever that may be, uh, as long as you're getting your, getting her work done and, and, you know, bought into that vision and doing whatever it takes to, to make it happen. I think that's a really big piece too. So, uh, I would say that, that buy-in's a really big one. And then, you know, beyond that too, I think, um, you know, it, again, just like very driven in general, like just wanting to wanting to, you know, continue to push things forward and, and being able to work at a really quick pace, because that's one of the ways we can really win is by is by, you know, building our product and shipping quickly, but also moving quickly on sales opportunities and things like that. Um, so we all have to be bought into that mindset of if something comes up, we're going to go for it. Um, even if we have a very short timeline to make something happen. So that sense of urgency, that sense of buy-in, um, that sense of, you know, short-term sacrifice for long-term, um, you know, success. Those are, those are the kind of things that we look for. Given this, the fact that you guys are remote, which makes sense in order to be able to kind of attract the best talent, are there any things you do as, leader of this company to kind of still cultivate that team mentality or some bonding things that obviously are a little harder when it's a virtual team, but you still try to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. We do, uh, we do a few things. One, we have a, we have a weekly all hands meeting um, where we encourage everyone from the company to come regardless of their, of their function or role um, and kind of have that be an open forum for myself and other members of leadership to share updates on, you know, different parts of the company that, you know, an engineer might not be uh, usually aware of the sales pipeline, but we like to to give that kind of transparency. It gets everyone really excited and providing that open forum for anyone to bring up any ideas, challenges, thoughts, um, you know, suggestions like in, in, in that opportunity, we even have like a anonymous Slack channel if people want to submit something in without offending anyone. Um, and so we, so we use that as like kind of our open forum. And then we also do biweekly, like every other week we do like a virtual team building and we ask, you know, we ask a different member of the team to kind of lead that and you know it could be anything from like teach us how to make something that you love to make or uh, let's play a game online together or let's share you know a bit about kind of our background and, and our you know past experiences uh, it could be a whole bunch of different stuff and so we've seen that work work really well for us and then obviously trying to embrace you know opportunities around different holidays as well to do you know virtual activities or or even get the team together in person if we can right so uh, kind of a combination of things but um you know we've been able to we've been able to still kind of build that that sense of team and and you know culture i guess so to speak um even you know even without having a lot of in-person interaction so yeah we we know it's been a little bit of a tough year for startups and like the economy in general um are there any challenges that Texology has faced in the last year or so 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it is definitely a hard time um, in the startup ecosystem. I mean, we're lucky we raised we raised capital at, at a pretty ideal time in the market, basically a little over a year ago now, um, when things were still super hot, and we kind of were in that sweet spot of a very hot investor market in general, and then also being in a Web three space, which was getting a lot of buzz and hype as well. And so, um, you know, we we're fortunate that we we raised at that time, and we gave ourselves a good amount of runway to work with. Um, um, so we've been less stressed about funding, which is which is a nice piece. Um, I'd say the biggest challenge we've probably faced is with all the news in the blockchain NFT space, a lot of negative news, right? Around um, you know, obviously around FTX, but around a lot of other projects and chains as well. And so um, one of the biggest challenges for us has been um, how do we how do we educate in a way where people understand that we really have as a company at Textology, we really have nothing to do with a lot of the issues in the blockchain and crypto space. Um, you know, we're building a ticketing platform that happens to be powered by a blockchain, but you don't need any crypto or Web3 knowledge to take advantage of what we're doing. It's simply enabling some of our really incredible functionality. Um, so that's probably been the biggest challenge is, is how do we educate, um, you know, just the general public that it doesn't have to be scary. I actually, I wrote a blog post about this recently called NFT Scaries because it's, you know, it's, it's there's been too much out there in the news about how negative it is and how so many people have lost their money and what's really happening is people aren't seeing the true uh the true applications of the technology and the real utility behind it so i'd say that's that's probably the biggest thing is how do we get people comfortable with that and and you know show people that there's plenty out there powered by blockchain that doesn't have to be scary or dangerous are there any things you and the rest of your team are doing to kind of provide because I think one of the things that has come up since FTX and the crypto space is what's the true value of all of these things? Or are we misplacing value on NFTs and other things in the blockchain space? So what would you say, say is the biggest thing you guys do to kind of prove the value of the NFT of your ticket? Is that through data collection? Is that um, through being able to have the ticket after its use? What are What's what would you say is the biggest thing there? Yeah, I think there's a I think there's a few pieces here. I mean, like we're very much focused on in our marketing, and we continue to even shift this more and more. Of like, we're very focused on the benefits, not the actual tech behind it. I think like that's just a really powerful thing. Is like if I tell you that you can capture more data, more revenue, secure your venue, and engage with your fans on a deeper, more meaningful level. Um, I think those are the things that get people excited. So if we can lead with that, and then when people are like, well, how do you do it? Well we're the blockchain experts, so you don't have to be right. And so that's kind of the approach. Um, that's, that's kind of the main approach we've taken there. Um, um, you know, is, is kind of, uh, is, is kind of that piece. And then I think the most powerful thing we can do, um, is have people go through our, our experience, um, you know, at an event or at a venue. Um, and, and we've had cases where people have completed the ticket purchase and, um, don't even know they've just bought their first NFT. Right. So I think that to me is an extremely powerful piece that we can provide as well is people can go through that process of buying a ticket that they might already, you know, they're likely already comfortable with buying a ticket on 
online, um, you know, and at the end could even be told, hey, you just bought your first NFT. Like we've had we've had a few examples of that where, you know, we've had people go through it and then we say, well, you know, how many of you have bought an NFT before? And only a few of them raise their hands. I'm like, well, you just did. Right. So I think that's that's kind of the most powerful thing we and other companies with real utility can do is have people interact with the product and see that it doesn't need to be more complicated just because it's an NFT or just because it's blockchain based. Right. In fact, it can hopefully be easier. So we know there's a large variety of like events going on. Like how does Tixology software uh, like tailored to specific types of events like comedy clubs versus like sports venues? Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great question, and you know one of the reasons why we've built the platform the way we have um, is because we we want uh, our customers to be able to use it in a way that makes sense for them. So um, the fact that we've built a white label ticketing software um, and that we're not trying to drive people to Tixology.com to buy tickets that's not the goal here, right? We're trying to drive people to our customers' sites to buy tickets and their apps and things like that. So uh, it starts with that, in my opinion, is like let's create a product and what we've created is a product that can be um you know very versatile versatile right so you know we we allow you to fully customize that ticket buying experience we allow you to customize the actual ticket itself um, we can work with you to do even deeper integrations beyond that you know kind of easy light touch customization i just mentioned these are all the kind of things that we thought about as we were building up this product of how do we make it so um the it can be the same back end uh, and functionality that's available there. Um, but from a fan perspective or from an event producer perspective, it feels like a cohesive part of their brand and their digital experience. So I think that's a big part of it is just like, how do we make it, you know, um, how do we make it, you know, versatile enough to be able to move between different types? And then obviously some of the benefits we offer are going to be more valuable for some than others, right? Some events may not have a big secondary market, but that's okay, right? Because there's other things that we can do around data capture, customization, you know, collectibles that they might be excited about. So I think we've built it in a way where it can it can really kind of uh, form to form to whichever type of customer may may want to use it. And there's values across there, you know, there's value here across multiple uh, verticals and industries. So looking forward, what are some goals that Tixology has? Are there certain features that you guys are working on? What are some things that you guys are excited about for the next year that you guys are looking to add to your platform? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, there, there's so much kind of going on. There's so much in the pipeline, but I think, you know, we're we're excited about kind of continuing to work on the actual ticket itself and what that looks like and and what, you know, what it means to to have a ticket and use that ticket to interact with your fan base on a deeper level. Um, so that's one big piece. The other big piece we're working on is kind of a uh, more of a self-serve type offering, which, you know, will make it a lot easier for people to kind of go online and get started with our software without needing kind of that, you know, same kind of level of onboarding or support. Um, we want to make it even more accessible. So I think that's another exciting piece that that we're kind of building towards and excited to to launch in the next several months is how do we make this, you know, more accessible and, and easy to kind of just go on and get started. Awesome. Thank you so much, Asher, for coming on. We've learned so much. Um, I think there's a like a large uh, a large amount of opportunity in the ticketing industry that I didn't even know existed before, and I think I am pretty interested in like the sports career sort of vibe. So you know, I think that's really cool that you do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Thanks.
And yeah, thank you for it. taking on uh, Ticketmaster, hopefully. We know <laughs> the rest of our ticketing experiences are are less than pleasant. So of course, yeah. everybody's looking for an innovative solution <laughs> like yours. So thank you. No, yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me on. And, you know, I'd just say at the end here, if there are any, uh, you know, students who are interested in, in chatting or learning more, please reach out. And, and also anyone who's a event organizer, event producer, or aspiring event organizer or producer, uh, I want to talk with you as well. A big part of our vision is, is we want to support event producers from the start, um, you know, all the way up to the, to the big venues and, and arenas and things like that. So uh, we're always here, we're always here to support and, um, you know, look forward to to hearing from folks who uh who are looking to to kind of use the future of ticketing well thank you asher thanks guys so that was another great episode i feel asher was a super informative guest loved hearing about the ticket industry it's especially interesting now what he's doing with blockchain given all the recent frankly negative news surrounding the industry but I really like what, where they're going and he's a really passionate guy. I think he has a really good vision of the future for what young people want, especially. And I, I like his background also. I think that he comes from digital at a couple of different sports organizations, kind of gives him an inside view of different levels of ticketing. So I'm really excited to see where he goes. Yeah. I mean, it honestly makes me think like what other industries are out there that haven't been tapped by like web three yet, you know, because there's a lot of potential there, but just people don't really see it because of the scams and all the bad stuff out there. But I think there's promise there. And I think Dixology is like an example of that. And so just to end off the episode, as Asher said, this is a really kind of cool, lean, interesting company. So for any of our fellow college students that are interested in Fixology or would like an introduction, always feel free to hit up Vivek and I. We'd be happy to introduce you to Asher and the rest of the team. They're building something really special and we're, uh, we'd be happy to. So until next episode, Vivek, we'll, uh, we'll speak soon. Sounds good.